Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to the Grey Show in the Galaxy. I'm Mike Shizema and we're back with Doctor Who Series 9. Hey, mummy's talking. <laughs> so, The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's Familiar. Um, overall? Wow, I mean, um, I was kind of blown away by how good these were. Mm. Just to throw it out straight away, spoiler alert. Um <laughs> I would say I mean, after the first episode, mm-hmm. I was sort of left feeling like this was almost like a series finale rather than a series kickoff. Yeah, it is a bit of that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of scope mm-hmm. and just the way that they sort of set up the whole couple of episodes, it sort of almost felt like we were watching something after they'd been teasing the whole season, the return of Davros. Mm-hmm. But just to throw that out straight first episode, I thought was a really interesting move. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, from doing the last show, there was, we'd, we'd said, oh, it was just a rumour that Davros was coming back, and, um, well, yeah, okay, that was right. But one thing I was surprised about when when we first saw, like, Davros as we know him, it's the, the, the way Julian Bleach was performing it, I was I thought it was somebody else. I didn't expect, I wasn't, mm. I was trying to think, is, is that Julian Bleach? No, hang on, is it, I mean, that just goes to show, I, this guy's awesome. He can act really well. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that. Yeah, to say that um, because I think he puts a lot of thought into like his the way he holds his body mm-hmm. and like the way he uses it because um, it really kind of struck me obviously because we're sort of doing this whole thing of Davros is ancient and dying mm-hmm. and the way that Julian Blake sort of decided because he was doing that thing of resting his head on his hand. Yeah. And if you've ever been unfortunate enough to you know visit elderly relatives in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is the pose that yeah. they do, you know. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, it, it It was sort of like, wow, he's you know, sort of, of putting that level of thought into how he's putting the character onto the screen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and sort of the whole way he was sort of struggling to get his words out and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it was really, really well thought out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. get so immersed in him. Yeah, he did genuinely look sort of like, like knackered. You know what mm. I mean? It's really very well done. Um, but we're yeah. kind of getting ahead of ourselves, I think. We uh, are a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, where do you want to start? Well, I think what I, I would like to start with is something that we talked about in the hype show, mm-hmm. um, the episode before this, was that two-parters tend to sort of start strong and then kind of don't finish mm-hmm. with quite the same conviction. But something that really struck me about this two-parter was how incredibly well-balanced it was. Yeah, because actually just before we started recording, I was... I was went back and watched the uh, omnibus that they uh, yes, put out. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's remarkably how well it sta- how stands up, You're like just as one continuous yeah. narrative. I, yeah, I mean, because I mean, you sort of with two parts, you often you know sort of a quarter of the way through episode two, you sort of do get a natural lull because they're trying to kind of pull it out to make a two-parter or they've mm. had to kind of reduce something down because it was just a tiny bit too long so you often get a bit of a lull mm-hmm. but i just didn't feel that in this i I sort of almost feel like it was written like a, a movie script and they just kind of cut it in the they just chopped it in the middle to make it two 45 minute chunks yeah that's exactly how, how it plays out mm. Mm. so i mean in terms of just in, in terms of that i think this might be the most successful two-parter they put out Probably for me, yeah. yeah. I can't, uh, I can't disagree with that. I can't think of anything that's really th- maybe, maybe Stolen Earth Journey's End. Yeah, maybe. But um, I'll say with with Stolen Earth Journey's End, I think that sometimes with with, with Stolen Earth, especially, it's quite a lot of setup. Mm. 
so you're sort of you're kind of jumping around different people you know and you're seeing martha and then jack and then mm-hmm. all these sort of people so it, it just sort of feels like you're just you're building up to the climax and then away yeah um whereas with this i don't know it just i think something that really helped it as well was the magician's apprentice especially that episode just cracked along oh yeah I mean, because, again, I did the same as you. I watched the episodes as they went out broadcast, and then on Sunday the omnibus went out and I watched it then. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things. We were just sort of sitting and we had friends around, so we were, obviously we'd seen it before, so we were kind of commenting on it as we went. Mm-hmm. And it was the bit where Colony Slave turns up. Yeah. Uh, with where uh, During the uh, the Chieftain Tank scene. And I looked down, and I looked down <laughs> at the clock and it was like 32 minutes in. Yeah. And I was like... Where did all that time go? It just, you know, whizzed by. Mm. Yeah, and it really does sort of, like, it doesn't, like, stop for a minute. So, I mean, you know, in terms of that, it also sort of gives me kind of quite a lot of hope for the approach that they're going for this year with the, the heavy two-parter emphasis. Mm. And also, I hope that the BBC has the foresight to to do the omnibus again. Yes. Well, that's what, I actually watched it on the iPlayer and it was listed as one. So I'll, I'm sort of wondering why they will do. Uh, probably maybe it's not for like the standalones, but I think like all the other episodes in the series. Yeah, I, I would be very surprised if they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I do hope that they do it. Um, I mean, because it, it, especially with this two part, it, it just sort of works so beautifully, and mm-hmm. I think it, it benefits the show to um, to sort of catch people up who may have missed episode one. Yeah. So giving them an opportunity to watch it as a whole, I think, is a is a smart move. Mm-hmm. So another thing that really that stood out for me, and again, I'm we t- we briefly touched on this earlier, mm-hmm. kind of how much of like a series finale this almost felt. Like. I wonder if it was ever the intention that this would be the end. Like I could I can definitely see that scene where the Doctor and the young Davros are walking off hand in hand as being the last shot of the series. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I kind of wonder about that. I mean, obviously, now that we know a little bit more about the series as a whole, um, from when we did the the preview show, mm. this does like it does come up more like a, a series finale, like you say, because obviously, in the past, you know, the Daleks have usually been held off till the, the end. Till the end, yeah. It's only in the recent last few years where they've sort of like bumped them up to early episodes. So, yeah, I kind of wonder. But I suppose it really depends on how episodes 11 and 12 turn out. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, speaking about the Daleks, um, mm-hmm. we it was one of those sort of interesting sort of Moffat-isms that little bits of lore get thrown in mm-hmm. as we go. So I'm wondering what you made of things like um, the little bits we found out about how Daleks work. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Um mm. Yeah, it, it's when obviously you have uh, this is a nice little throwback to the very first Dalek story when uh, they take when Missy and Clara take out a Dalek and then Clara has to get in. Mm. Um, it, it's like how how much they actually use their emotion to channel it, to use their weaponry, and like like Missy says, Sidemen suppress their emotions. Daleks channel it through the gun. Yeah, I thought that was it was really interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. also obviously they get that little throwaway line of them saying exterminate over and over is how they reload mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah um so i mean obviously i mean because again i was watching this with friends and that line just got off did get a mild tut from uh, one corner of my living room <laughs> um but um yeah i mean it's one of those nice little things of it, it sort of gives you a little bit of color 
into something that you just sort of accepted as this is a thing that always happens in Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, I think that probably speaks in some people's minds to Moffat's arrogance. <laughs> but I mean, it's the thing, little things like that I, I quite enjoy. And we, we did get little throwaway things like that in for Missy's backstory. Hmm. Yeah, especially like the Doctor gave me this brush when my daughter and then she had just cuts that off. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's not unreasonable to expect that she would, they would have children, mm. um, because obviously we know that the doctor yeah. has had some kind of family, and something a, a, a line I really loved from the first part um, was, you know, when Missy sort of chided in Clara about the nature of her and the doctor's relationship, mm -hmm. you know, to trying to try to move beyond you know the biological thing and because uh, we're time lords <laughs> our friendship is much different than anything you can understand mm. and obviously i think that obviously would reply to how family structures work yeah so i mean i'm quite happy with that sort of thing yeah it's, it's, yeah mm. i mean i really did love the kind of the the exploration of missy and the doctor's relationship mm. yeah i mean it's, it's one of those sort of things that's been like pretty much sort of hinted at or kind of established like from the very early days it's only sort of recently where it's properly come to the fore and it's sort of like circumstances change you know allegiance shift but at the end of the day there's, there's still that sort of bond between them and mm. it's it's sort of like with their friendship we sort of like sometimes think well how did it end up going so wrong and it's sort of never really kind of went wrong it's just gotten warped you can't sort of like see, despite all that happens between them, one sort of ever giving up on the other somehow. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think it, it's of it, how much you kind of buy that relationship, mm -hmm. I think, really comes down to Michelle Gomez. Yeah. At this point, because obviously it's a radical change for us to see the master as a, as a female. Mm -hmm. So obviously kind of buying the, the relationship now, mm -hmm. as opposed to it being a fraternal thing, yeah, which you can, you can sort of understand is, is it's quite, it sort of really hinges on her. Mm -hmm. And I think that we talked about this during death in heaven and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think because she is legitimately frightening. Yes. As well now. Um, I mean, unlike John Sims version, who was just kind of bonkers and mm -hmm. you, didn't I didn't really find him scary, mm. but her I mean she's she's funny but she's like that scarily unhinged yeah and I say I think if she wasn't kind of that convincing mm -hmm. you just wouldn't buy this whole kind of explanation of why she would receive his confession dial and all that sort of thing mm. which is interesting because if you've seen the um, the prologue um, did you mm. see the little prologue they put out before. Uh, I think like the week before Magician's Apprentice, not the the Doctor's Meditation. Not the prelude. No, not the Doctor's Meditation, which I think was for US cinemas only. They put out a special thing, um, sort of like as a sort of like after the bit where Colin yourself appears on Cotton, and it's actually the Doctor gives the confession dial to a healer, mm. and then presumably she passes it on to Missy. Yeah, so I think it was quite interesting that he sort of sought. Um, I don't know, advice or something mm. like that on Khan. Yeah. Um, I think it might be as obviously because he ended up there as transforming into the War Doctor. So I think is it, is it a case of, um, you know, because in, in that little prelude, there's a whole thing of, you know, I don't like you <laughs> and all that sort of, the, sort of thing that he says to, to Ophelia and all that sort of thing. So mm. he, he sort of trusts that he can get 
a straight answer there, which yeah. you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. It was nice to see the Sisterhood Con uh, back, albeit briefly, and the Shadow Proclamation as well. Yeah, I mean, um, that was nice to get a few little shout-outs in there. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure about the cantina. Yeah. Bit there. <laughs> yeah. Just a load of, like, a dark room and a load of random shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> One who just cause, you know... Yeah, because we've got the costumes sitting around. Sure, why not? But I have to say, it's kind of thing where you sort of think, oh, why didn't they just cut that out? But at the same time... I can't imagine it without. Yeah. I mean, I did quite like the little unit bit, actually. Mm. I thought that was pretty nifty. Yeah. It was a good way to get the story along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the rods from Bugs, isn't it, as well? (laughs) Oh, uh, do you know what? I actually went, Bugs crossover, when I saw... (laughs) (laughs) That would be incredible, by the way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? We we rewatched Bugs just as a sidebar a little while ago. Yeah. Doesn't really hold up. I can't imagine it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless it. Yeah, it was good. You know, you know what? I really loved it at the time, though. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was quite a nice way to move the story along. Mm-hmm. And also... I mean, I, I'm sure that there are some people going, well, would you need call Clara and blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, obviously they want to get to the doctor and that's the easiest way to get to get yeah. to him. Um, but I did quite like this, the whole thing of using Clara, you know, because obviously we, we it sort of gets touched on kind of her her mind, you know, and her, mm-hmm. you know, her ability to sort of use logic and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I did quite like the logical progression she made about the things that were happening with the, the planes being frozen. Yeah quite a nice sort of logical progression it wasn't one of those things if you're watching you're like how did you make the leap to this thing it's because mm-hmm. the script says so but you could sort of follow what they were getting at yeah it also sort of like speaks to it's like her late series eight sort of doctification if you if mm. you will because when there's say there's like four thousand planes up in the sky frozen uh kate says that's a lot of people and uh, clara goes it's a lot of fuel Mm. It's not overly concerned about the people. She's worried about the damage that could be caused. She's yeah. she's sort of like seeing the bigger picture, like the doctor, the way the doctor sees it, and that's why yeah. a lot of people treat him as why he is can be so alien. I mean, it's, I mean, again, it sort of comes up that she's like, we can't just keep ringing him up mm-hmm. without, and she sort of says, well, there's that, and then the whole thing if we go to him without information. Mm-hmm. She says he'll he'll go on Scottish on us, <laughs> um, which I thought was funny. But um, yeah, you can sort of see, like you say, being that sort of doctor surrogate, mm-hmm. that she sort of her her mindset has changed, or she can sort of switch on that mindset. Mm-hmm. You say it was quite. I mean, it, little throwaway lines again. I mean, obviously that uh, I think there's been some adventures we haven't seen because she snogged Jane Austen. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it was actually pretty... Uh, it must obviously how time's moved on that you do a, a, a planes freezing, but possibly being used as weapons thing and don't turn it into a 9-11 allegory. Mm, yeah. What also was interesting in that it's... In a lot of other circumstances, kind of that would be the story. Mm, yeah. But it's just used as a, a stepping stone to get us to where we actually want to go. Yeah, it's kind of like the Bells... Yeah, kind of like the Bells of St. John, really, when you remember the airplane bit, scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is quite true, actually, especially as, uh, you know, if you've got sort of that same setup. Mm-hmm. Bells. I, I, th- I think Moffat just wants to put people offline so he can get through the queues quicker. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, when we uh, then get to, I was like, I want I wanted to bring up as well uh, Connolly Slath as well. Mm. What an interesting idea. 
Creepy motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Creepy. But mind you, though, because <laughs> obviously he's on like one of those little um, kind of balance things on wheels that you just sort of move your body weight forward and it just... Yeah, I saw a lot of those... It's like those little mini Segway things. Yeah, I saw a lot of those in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I thought, as I said to, uh, when I was watching Omniverse, I was like, it's nice to put a nice disability ramp on Khan so he can <laughs> just whiz down there. But mind you, every time he sort of came into frame, I was just in my mind, I was going, wee <laughs> like that. <laughs> And for the, uh, another thing, they're not hoverboards, people. They're just <laughs> mini segways. Stop it. Back to the Future 2 is not happening. Get over no. it. Well, it is in some ways, but not other ways. Well, no. Well, I mean, Back to the Future 2 predicted that Super Bowl 50 would be Lions versus Browns, and that ain't happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and three. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> I'm a serious question. Did you expect anything less? No. Yeah. Oh, I expected they might win one. Yeah. Maybe score some points. <laughs> they can't really seem to be bothered to do that at the moment. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, my what my fan woes aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we. Uh, I mean, it's one of these things of it's it's a sort of a typical Moffat story, and there's loads of little bits. Mm-hmm. That were just kind of like, oh, that was brilliant. Oh, that was brilliant. I mean, and I can scarcely get past this bit without talking about maybe the greatest Doctor entrance of all time. <laughs> the Doctor playing the Doctor Who theme tune whilst bestriding the Chieftain Tank. I think what, what sells it even better is sort of Missy's reaction to the whole spectacle. She's just thinking... Oh, what are you doing? Doing man? state of view sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's especially funny when um, it's like Missy and Clara are whispering back and forth to one another, and then Doctor starts playing the opening riff to Pretty Woman. Mm. And it's like, oh shit, you can see us. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, I quite like that. Again, watching it the second time, mm-hmm. they both react like he's playing it to that one of them, mm-hmm. not to both. Yeah. They both sort of react like, oh, he's playing it to me. To me sort of yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did quite like as well, you know, when the Missy sort of says something and he does the wah, wah, wah oh, on, yeah. the, um, on the guitar. So, I mean, I did enjoy all that. I mean, I think I know that there's probably quite a lot of Doctor Who purists who didn't enjoy that. thought it was too much. I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's just, it was just sort of strangely genius somehow because obviously the the doctor's throwing himself party so of course he's going to be a bit crackers i mean it's it's kind of reminiscent of girl in the fireplace mm. when it's like waltzed in so i declaring he invented the banana daiquiri like a couple hundred years early <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again you know it's you know when the 11th doctor kind of pisses off for ages and uh you know, he's showing people that have shown the Chinese how to make pasta and all this sort of thing. And, you know, <laughs> it's just the sort of things that he does, mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. As I did see a comment on Twitter that, you know, someone was saying that they didn't think that any doctor sort of pre-2011 would have done that entrance. And I say, I've got to disagree. Mm. If the third doctor had a chance, he would have been driving that tank. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, so uh, what did you make of the... Uh, the return of Scardo. It, it, again, this comes down to Michelle Gomez when she that look mm. of Missy's face. It's not outright terror, but it's definitely a sort of thing of oh shit. Mm. 
shit. Yeah. Because which it because it makes sense because in the TV movie, where was the master executed? Scarrow. Exactly. But it was uh, it was quite good because you know when the doctor's let out to meet see Davros, you know it. He just says like gravity to miss. He's like, I know, yeah. It's like just like I know, yeah. It's just the great way they're sort of like they're obviously they're working on the same wavelengths. Obviously, Clara's there, you know, to be the audience. So it gets like, you know, what what does that mean? Um, but even then, it's not sort of like even that you didn't really get that. I don't, I don't remember Clara saying what was that you said about gravity. Missy just starts explaining it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I did quite like the. Clara effectively becomes Missy's companion for a bit of this story. Mm. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I thought that. I think their chemistry is really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bit where she just casually elbows her down that hole, <laughs> I pissed myself. <laughs> and, it, and again, like we've so got to go back to Michelle. Go so it's like, oh, about twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, you know, just the she tied her up upside down. <laughs> Just, just to fuck with her, it seems. <laughs> just to see how clever she actually is. Is obviously then she takes her through her thing of how does the Doctor always survive? Mm. And again, I love that little cutaway. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, fun by monkeys. Yes, it's fun by monkeys. Capaldi like a strange smile on his face. Like, yeah, of course it would be. <laughs> but I did, I did quite like as what's nice in that as well is mm-hmm. again watching it for the second time. That it, it, it kind of breaks the fourth wall in it because when it mm-hmm. slows down and he's about to be shot by the android, invisible android assassins, mm-hmm. he can't. You can see Clara's shadow in the corner of the screen, so like she's watching the scene and yeah. he kind of looks round at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like work it out type thing. I thought that was such a nicely constructed way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's it sort of like it. It also sort of harkens back to like sort of what we knew at the end of Death in Heaven when the cyber mm-hmm. rig shot Missy. It's like obviously. You know, she's not dead. Mm. That'd be too easy. And it's, but it's just nice how it sort of like ties it back into that. Yeah. You know, with the, the tricks with the teleportation and the vortex manipulators. Mm. No, I did, I did enjoy all that. I thought that was a really nice way to actually sort of stitch that together. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't have to put that in there, but I, I did like it. It was yeah. very good. Um, so I did, I mean, all the stuff in the sewers was... Uh, <laughs> was excellent as well i mean um with it was an interesting concept that obviously it seems that the daleks are kind of a bit like the time lords you know they can sort of live forever barring accidents yeah i think that's kind of maybe if i had any gripes about mm. uh which is familiar it's, it's kind of that when i mean we'll probably touch on it when we actually get to close to the end of the story mm. but you know the the sort of like the generations old daleks rising up it's sort of like it's a bit too sort of. I I don't know. It's it's sort of like yeah, it makes sense in the context of the story, but it's a little bit too sort of almost hand wavy. If yeah. you know what I mean. No, I think that's that is entirely fair. But I thought it was quite. Again, it sort of speaks to that series finale idea mm. that Davros brings up this whole thing of oh, you ran away because of the hybrid prophecy or whatever this is that has obviously just been introduced mm-hmm. and i think in other series you know you again you would be would have been alluding to this whole idea for a whole season and then mm-hmm. that would have been the payoff yeah but obviously you kind of turn it on his head of devil's going ah the prophecy is fulfilled and then you go nope no <laughs> nope no. I have no prophecy for you today my lad and off you go <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's entirely right. That's entirely how a series finale would kind of end. I kind of wonder whether that sort of speaks to <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who series finales over the last ten years. Um, well, I mean, I think that I mean we've we've talked about series finales a bunch and. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the way Moffat writes, <clears throat> that he like he likes all this kind of portentous stuff, and obviously your mileage will vary with that. And I did sort of did, did, did kind of rate reach its nadir a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder if it's it's sort of like they just got get get all those tropes out of your system now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the performances. Obviously, we talked about Michelle Gomez, but I really, I mean, I think some of the standout stuff in this was the just the scenes between Julian Bleach and Peter Capaldi, Davros mm-hmm. and the Doctor. Yeah, I have to say it's it's almost kind of disappointing that, you know, Davros sticks the knife in near the end because when he's like, the, okay, there's another bit here that I have, I've had a bit of a, gripe with and I don't know why exactly what it is that sort of bothers me about it but it's when Davros opens his eyes mm. it's sort of like okay if his eyes somehow are still functional first of all why does it need the one in the forehead and like I mean I can understand like if it was a case of doing such a thing takes it out of him so much but it's do you know what I mean? It's like I, well, I think I think it's sort of no knowing sort of where he was trying to go. I sort of just read it as a big like sort of flannel. Mm-hmm. It's kind of set dressing to get the doctor to buy him dying, and he just wants to sort of speak to him. And there's no agenda. It's sort of this whole idea of lulling him into a full sense of security. I think that's the only reason why he did it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Mm. It's just when all these other times we've seen him. It's, do you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, the the presumption is he's so badly damaged, his body's so badly mm-hmm. damaged that he needs the the eyeball and the, the forehead like he always has. Mm-hmm. And just to sort of like, I mean, it's entirely possible that somehow he had some sort of something done to him so he could like undo the damage sort of maybe enough to make it to make the, the lie seem, seem convincing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe it's sort of a thing of he could, you know, they only sort of work up to a point and mm-hmm. um, it's sort of like the way I need glasses. I mean, I can see mm-hmm. without them, but not very much. So I obviously wear glasses so I can see. So yeah. it's sort of a thing like, you know, quite extreme glasses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not complaining about yeah, yeah. it happening. It's just sort of like one of those, it's one of those times where I can't sort of, as a, it's as a, one of those little kind of logic things that kind of throws you out of the yeah. sort of the the immersion of the story, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, but like I, like I say, Julian Bleach just flipping knocked out of the park, man. Because I mean, mm. the the bit where he like congratulates the Doctor on saving Gallifrey. I mean, like I say, mm. if it hadn't been for the the twist of the knife and later on, it's like it like honestly, if if that hadn't happened, what da- the stunt Davos pulled on the Doctor, and he genuinely was dying, and he did die at the end, that would have been absolutely brilliant. But obviously, you know, you know, Davros being Davros, uh, that's not going to happen. But you know what I mean? Mm. It's like it was, they were playing it so well, and I, I don't, I don't have any complaints about, you know, Davros, you know, trying to trying to trick the Doctor, which is it's entirely what he would do. You know, he's he's done it before several times in the past. You know, the mm. the 
the mausoleum on Necros in Revelation of the Daleks for a sec- for for one thing. I mean, that's that was purely more so Daleks could have a giggle, and it was mm. a well-deserved giggle because it was quite funny. Um, but yeah, I mean the the bit where um, Davros says to the Doctor, you know. Was there any doubt? Did you, did you doubt that I was dying? And the, the doctor just goes, yeah. And Davos says, well, we've established one thing. You're not a very good doctor. I love that. That and, was so great. And they have that laugh. It's just so... It was really nice. It I was, mean, that that sort of felt quite genuine. I mean, yeah. obviously, though, as, as as fans, you're, you know, you are just sort of waiting for the swerve. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, at that point, I was sort of actually beginning to buy they might go down this road. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it just speaks to those two guys just knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if there was ever an idea that maybe they would go down the road of sort of swerve the swerve, so to speak. You know, mm. that it was a genuine thing of Davros was dying and he sort of goads the doctor into doing something that kind of kills him quicker and, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of gets him that way, kind of. No, I say swerve the swerve, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think it was quite an interesting breakthrough for the 12th Doctor in this one that, um, you know, we, we talked about how I think maybe he was too abrasive last year, mm-hmm. you know, too sarky, too, you know, kind of too much the other way. Yeah. But I think that this, this, this story really helped to bring him back, it sort of soften him up, because obviously mm-hmm. this whole thing with the compassion angle mm-hmm. and you know but the sake is still there and you know all the snidiness <laughs> that sort of thing still present and correct but they really kind of there was a nice rebalance of his character mm. and like you feel like his concern for clara is very genuine and all this where you didn't kind of always buy that last year yeah and i thought it was interesting at that last bit where missy is trying to goad him into killing clara in the dalek mm. and he just says to her run yeah and doesn't even shout just goes so it's very much just like, run, yeah. Yeah, when you're just like you're so pissed off that you can't even get angry, you yeah. just just go. Yeah, you know. Well, so I say, I mean, it's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of liken it a bit to you know, like you were saying with their relationship, they kind of know what each other's doing. It's kind of that thing of like when you're behind your mum and your mum goes, "Don't pull that face," mm-hmm. even though she hasn't looked at you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that thing of when your mum is so cross. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, when your parents don't shout, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of that same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was nice seeing all those Daleks, wasn't it? Oh, and it was nice. Oh, the special weapons Dalek actually moved and said something. Yeah. He didn't still fire his gun. No. Maybe it's next time. One day. <laughs> next time. Next time next time <laughs> so i just had a, a message pop up on a uh, old facebook as we've been talking from right. uh, the admiral himself mr victor tro hello. and he said hello um right. and he just it? said to me um hang on what did he say to me <laughs> i don't know what did he say to you he said to me hang on duh, 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 duh. hurry up facebook <laughs> faster damn you <laughs> Oh, mate, oh, I'll just paraphrase if you're going to be like that, Facebook. He sort of said to me, didn't the ending was quite reminiscent of Asylum of the Daleks? Um, hmm, possibly. Yeah, it is kind yeah, of. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was nice to see the uh, Hads back in action again. Yeah. Um, 
even he's needed. He's obviously tweaked of... it a bit since we uh, saw it last time. Yeah. But, yeah. I think, I suppose if you if you want to give off the illusion that you've destroyed the TARDIS, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah. So what do you think of the Sonic sunglasses now? <laughs> do you know what? I, it's one of those ones, it's one of those things where you sort of like think it's simultaneously, oh, come on. But at the same time, and- it's like, genius yes. yeah sure why not you know yeah. it's I, i'm not i kind of i don't mind it's 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 you know when you're on the internet and you have that like two panel cartoon as this bloke just like looking stony faced and then the second panel is like i'm okay with this that's mm. that was kind of my reaction to it somehow because it's well, kind i mean of, it... it kind of fits capaldi's doctor as he is now it does i mean like, you can't see him doing it last year no but this year, yeah, why not? Yeah, why, <laughs> why not? not? Why not? And I think it, it, I think it was kind of the, the story had kind of taken you, especially with me, like when I was watching it, the, the story had kind of involved me so much. Mm-hmm. I was like so into that. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was fun. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I think it sort of speaks, again, speaks to Capaldi and the Doctor, whole concept Doctor Who that, the next day, mm-hmm. the mates we were with, we were in the shops looking for those sunglasses. <laughs> the yeah, the Ray-Ban Wayfarers, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, actually, speaking of like loony things like that, the Doctor in Davros's chair with a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Yes, <laughs> admit it, you've had nightmares like this. Yeah, what's particularly great about that scene is when I was actually rewatching the Omnibus. The closer Davros gets to, well, Davros, quote-unquote, gets to, like, the main chamber where the dog's congregating, the more you can tell it's actually Capaldi yeah. putting on a voice. Yeah, again, I picked up in the omnibus as well. Yeah. But um, it was quite interesting seeing, actually, Davros, what was left of him, out of his chair. Yeah, like bald queenie. Yeah, oh, especially with the spine going, Ugh. Yeah, that's gross. Um, but it, again, it was, I, I don't know who said this on Twitter, but shout out to you if you're listening. Um, someone said that the do- obviously the doctor wouldn't kill a child, but he would throw a disabled man out of his chair. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> but I think there was, there was another bit in the omnibus I, I noticed when, you know, once the silliness goes and the doctor's brandishing the, the Dalek gun and he's saying, like, Tell me Clara Oswald is dead. Who wants to go first? And the Supreme Dalek sort of like does a little bit of semantics and goes, Clara Oswald is not alive. Yeah. So it's like, well, technically, you know, I, yeah, I haven't said you're dead, dead. Yeah. so you can't shoot me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there was a bit, I can't remember which bit it is. It might be that bit where, again, I caught it in the omnibus. And I know we keep saying this, um, but I think if people didn't have access to the omnibus, I would definitely recommend watching these two back-to-back because mm-hmm. you will pick more stuff up, actually. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot out of it watching it the second time. Um, there's a bit where all the Daleks, like, turn to look at the Supreme for mm-hmm. an answer. <laughs> yeah. And, like... you know, the poor old Supreme gets shit on in this episode, and I do quite like the, you know, this sort of ineffectual but bureaucrat Dalek <laughs> kind of just getting foiled at every turn. This whole, you know, Missy saying, oh, I'm if it's the same one, telling the bitches back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, one thing I was I keep forgetting about that Supreme Dalek model is it actually has three 
lights on. Yes, yeah, three lights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had to I had to check that actually because Chuck was saying, "Did you always have three lights?" Mm. And um, we got given when after Stolen of Jenny's End came out, when mm-hmm. the first time you see that Supreme. Yeah. Uh, we got like the action figure for it, and I went and had a look at our action figure, and that has got three lights on, so mm. it's always had three lights. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did when. Uh... Clara and Missy are outside on Scarrow and they like have the realization that they're on Scarrow. It was so nice to see like a silver and blue Dalek be the one mm-hmm. to creep up on them. Yeah, that was, that was so nice. nice. Yeah. No, I, I, I would say I think all the stuff on Scarrow was actually very, very nicely done, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of obviously it gets hand waved of how Scarrow came back or whatever. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, obviously we haven't seen. The finish of the Daleks, and I think that we actually got not a, not like a big like a big sort of cliffhanger, but you get this nice bit of Missy saying, "I've got a brilliant idea," <laughs> and um, so I think we haven't seen the last of that little hookup. Yeah. Is <laughs> there anything else you wanted to? Um, no, I think I think um, in terms of, I mean, I think sort of you sort of turn into when you get episodes like this that kind of get you sort of in the right place Hmm. it's difficult to kind of be critical i'll say if i had sort of i mean actually we got a a a couple of comments on the facebook page Mm -hmm. um uh that i think kind of sum up my only criticism of the stories sort of quite well so Mm -hmm. we'll get to those in a second Mm -hmm. but um i think in uh, the tradition of our last year i think we should dish out some scores Mm. um i think i will give it Ooh, definitely, definitely eight. But I would very, very easily push it to. I'll screw it nine. I yeah, think, I think I'm nine. in the same place. Yeah, so I, think, I think. I think. Yeah, just go on, carry of, on. Yeah, I think just the whole little bit at the end, how the Doctor defeats the Daleks, and it's sort of like I knew what you were up to, and I, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's it's kind of Curse of the Fatal Death, which also involved a sewer. Um mm. But you know, that, that's more fat, and it's kind of. Like you say, it is very sort of reminiscent of like the series cliffhangers, the the finales rather. Mm. It's just I think it was maybe if the doctor, I don't know. I think it's more because like you have the sewer Daleks rising up because they're angry or something. I, I can understand like yeah, they they've had a dose of regeneration energy, so they're a bit stronger now and they want to you know have it out with the ones that are still trundling around in their their armor. Um, but I don't know, I think I would have maybe preferred if the Doctor had used more, like, weaponizers, regeneration energy, kind of like he had in Time of the Doctor, mm. somehow. I mean, but then again, it's, then probably people would be saying, well, he just did that like he did in Time of the Doctor, so it's kind of like a no-win, I suppose. I mean, yeah, it was a little bit in one, one Mighty Bound Jack was free, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, say so for me, um, I think I'm going to be the same as you. I'm going to give it a nine. I'll hmm. say, but it mostly gets a nine for how brilliantly it worked as two hmm. stories, and it you know ninety nine percent stuck the land in at the end. So yeah, that's a straight nine for me. Hmm. Cool. So shall I read this uh, the comment that I've got here from on Facebook? Um, Go on. So this comes from uh, Tony Boydell. 
Uh, Hi, shout out to you. Hey, Tony. So I'm um, just going to read out the comment that he left on fa- on our page. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, uh, interestingly, he watched Blink before the second episode of Series 9, and Blink conveyed its complexities far, far better and simpler than the ramshackle throw it all in and see what cooks Davros love in. I enjoyed both episodes, but it feels like Moffat is having a spring clean and overloading the plot with concept after concept. Handmines, Davros, the Master, Scaro, Dalek, Sludge, Compassion Overload, Sonic Glasses, the Animized TARDIS, Snakes as People, Tanks, the Doctor's Last Will, Plane Stopping in the Sky, Clara's a Dalek again, and so on and so on and so on and so on. Too much, Moffat, too much. Um, when you list it all like that, I yeah. can't disagree. Yeah, that's... But I think that that's just Moffat. Mm. If you look at... I think virtually all his stories. I mean, I think Blink is kind of an exceptional story. So all stories must suffer in comparison to Blink. Mm. Um, But especially if you look at his two-parters, I mean, he does just throw in concepts after concepts like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the, the hand minds would be a story all on its own. Yeah. But he's he's just one of those guys who just, ideas like that just come out of him. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get it as throwaway little incidental thing almost. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if like the thing with the hard minds was he thought of the idea, he wanted to create a story about it, but then it didn't quite work out how he wanted. So he, but he kept the idea. Mm. It's too good an idea to not use. Yeah. And stuff like that. But I mean, you could easily see that. Mm. You could easily see them being the whole enemy of a story. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, but for, for whatever reason, like he didn't like have the confidence to, it was like, it's like sort of how much, how far can you go with that concept or do you know what I mean? It's like, once you're like, it's kind of like, sort of like how the weeping angels kind of suffer sometimes. Like mm. once you know how they work, it's, you know, you can do like twists and variations on the theme. And I suppose it's like the hand minds are kind of like a more sort of, um, so like it's like a smaller scale idea. It's like mm. it's only like so maybe you can have them come out of the walls or something, but you know that's there's only like so much you can mine out of them. Mm. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, I say I think this is it is kind of symptomatic of what a lot of people don't like about how Moffat writes. Mm. Um, but I just think that's just him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, but I can't disagree with the point that you make there, Tony, at all. No. And I think that if that's some, if that's a criticism I have of this episode, it is, it is a bit over egged on concepts, mm. but I think it's because I'm kind of used to how he rolls almost. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. And I think it sort of maybe helps because this is the, this is the season opener. So you kind of want to mm. get people's attention. That's probably why it's so mm. loaded. I think if this had been... Is like, Yeah. I think if this had been sort of like the series finale, I think, in hindsight, we probably would have gotten, well, it was a good series finale, but it was a hell of a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be quite interested to see if this is symptomatic of all the two-parters we get. Mm. Because, I mean, so if, if he sort of... It might be t- if for a mid-season two-parter. This is going to feel way too much. Mm. So let's 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 sort. I mean, I'm sort of prepared to reserve judgment on on that for now. I mean, he sort of got away with it for this one for me because it's the series opener. Mm-hmm. And again, if it was series finale, we'd be sort of like you say, Mike, um, saying it was too much. Um, it will definitely. I think it will definitely feel too much in a sort of middle of series. 
place. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if he does something similar again when we get to the next two-parter. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, on it's sort of not quite related to the episode, but also on Facebook, mm-hmm. had a had a quick uh, question from Matt Zupka. Hey, Matt. Hi, Matt. And who said, uh, my five and a half year old has been begging me to watch Doctor Who. I'm at a loss <laughs> to su- what episodes might be appropriate suggestions. Um, um, answers on a postcard, please. I mean, I did reply to Matt and I said that it's it's tough mm-hmm. because obviously a five and a half year old, your mileage is going to vary so much about what they find scary or mm-hmm. what's too much for them. Um, I mean, I did suggest Rose. Yeah. Because, you know, there's lots of action. Uh, the monsters aren't, I don't think, very scary. No. <laughs> um, so it, it might be a nice way to see if he's kind of in. I mean, and there are some scary bits for little kids, like the stuff with the wheelie bin and, mm-hmm. you know, but that's sort of scary and silly at the same time. So, I yeah. mean, I think if um, if your, your little one goes for that and he's cool with that, then um, maybe, you know, just continue with the series as it goes. I think some of the, maybe the more adult stuff that comes out mm-hmm. will sort of just go over his head and he'll like the, the monsters and stuff. Yeah. Not Midnight, though. Not Midnight, definitely not. Midnight, not. no. Not um, Midnight, no. <laughs> um, that's all a bit grown up. But, um, yeah. I mean, the other suggestion that someone made and he replied to him was uh, 11th Hour. Yeah. Um, again, I, I sort of agree with that as well. I mean, the Atraxi aren't too scary and, mm-hmm. you know, the, doc- the 11th Doctor's funny and, yeah. you know, it's got kids in it to so relate to them. But, I mean, the only thing I did say was, obviously, we've got Amy's a kissogram in it, which may lead to awkward questions. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but uh, obviously, if um, um, I'll say that as, uh, again, that we've had some great responses on the Facebook page this week. Mm-hmm. Really encourage people to come and give us a like. Can we keep leaving comments on here? We'll give you a shout out on the air. Yeah. And uh, any other questions that people may have, like Matt, um, again, we'll try and answer to the best of our ability as we go. Yeah, seriously, we would love to have some feedback. Something, anything. Yeah. You will love us. <laughs> um. <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> there's other ways you can do that uh, as well. We've got uh, email account, creatorshow at simplysyndicated.com. Uh, also have a Twitter account uh, at creatorshowpod. That would be uh, nice if people would be so kind to say stuff there, say something nice. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> of course, Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Uh, again, let's say go up to the search bar on Facebook and pop the greatest show in the Galaxy podcast uh, in the search bar. Hit enter and we shall arrive and uh, give us a like and uh, scribble something on our wall. Like I say, any questions or comments, throw them on up and uh, say uh, I sort of post occasional links and stuff you might have missed that uh, comes out of the uh, UK news, especially if you're an international viewer. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, I try and put up little things that have come out in the UK that you might have uh, not been able to see. So, um, yeah, keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. And also, while you're at Tipping Syndicator or on SoundCloud visiting syndicated stuff, choose check out all the other good shows you can find there. Uh, Simply Syndicated Movie News is one of our new stable mates. It's a very nice, very fun show. Uh, also, all the old classics, Tomic Trevi War 9000, and all that, all that great, great, great stuff. So, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And we'll join you next time when we go under the lake. Ooh. <laughs>